As human beings, we spend a lot of our time stuck, mired in things like isolation and addiction, regret and resentment, bigotry and abuse. The list of things that weigh down a human life is lengthy and wearisome. But when freedom finally comes, it often appears in unexpected ways and from unexpected places. The Stuck Audio Project is about preserving and pondering those stories of liberation. We believe that by hearing and receiving the stories of others, we open our hearts to the forces of change. The stories you'll hear on the Stuck Podcast come from ordinary people, reflecting on their daily journeys with Christ. On the journey of life, some have come far, and some still have a long way to go. None of them are perfect, but all of them have had genuine tastes of freedom. Today's entry is from Michelle. I think many of you will be able to relate to her story. She doesn't speak about God's presence in terms of fiery encounters at Sinai or of the Spirit falling at Pentecost. Instead, she talks about the slow burn of God's love over an entire lifetime. As you listen to her story, I encourage you to consider how themes in her story might intersect with your own. My faith story is not a tumultuous conversion. It's more like a slow burn, a nudge in the right direction, followed by a gentle and constant pulse, like a beating heart. God has always been at work in my life. And just like a beating heart is necessary to life, it is often simply in the background, just working all the time, every minute of every day, every day of every week, every week of every year, always working. That's kind of God in my life, always present, always working, oftentimes just in the background. It makes my faith life sound quite ordinary to me. So when I talk about it, it sounds much like anyone's. But my faith life is unique to me. And so I tell it not from my beginning as I see it, but from my parents and my parents' parents, because they are the ones who have shaped me the most. And truth be told, a generation or two or three before them, is probably where my story really starts. For I would not be who I am today without the experiences of those who came before me, helping shape me into the person I am becoming. May 27, 1972, I was born to Galen and Sue DeNamer at Bellin Memorial Hospital, Green Bay, Wisconsin. I had an older sister by 11 months and 23 days, Melissa. The two of us are fifth-generation Belgian-Americans on both sides. My dad was the second to last of eight children, born to Lillian and Clarence Sachs, the namer. They ran the Brussels Town Hall, Sachs's Arcade, that hosted Friday night fish fries and weddings on Saturdays throughout the year. Back in those days, Catholic weddings were held on Saturday mornings followed by lunch. Everyone was Catholic. 
I knew not of another faith in Door County until I was in my late teens when I attended a wedding of a cousin who married a Lutheran. It was quite scandalous, and we talked about it around the kitchen table for weeks surrounding the occasion, probably years. Anyway, on wedding days, the mass was generally mid-morning, followed by a light lunch at the arcade. Then there would be a break for all the dairy farmers to go home and do chores, which consisted of bringing the cows in from the fields, milking them, and feeding them. After chores, all the guests would return to the hall for supper, which, by the way, was entirely prepared by my grandmother and about three or four other women. My dad told me a story about how she would sit around giant buckets of water Friday nights with the women peeling potatoes for the following day's dinner. After the wedding celebrations, the whole family pitched in to clean the dance hall and bar, but not before they got a few hours of sleep. So it was a pretty hard life. They did take a pause in the work, though, for Sunday morning church. With an unspoken air of sadness, my dad told me that he never really knew his dad. He knew that his dad had a shipyard band up in Sturgeon Bay during World War II, that they wore uniforms and played on weekend afternoons. He knew that his dad was a band teacher for a number of years at the Brussels High School, but that his contract wasn't renewed when the big Southern Doors High School opened, prompting my dad's decision to not attend there for his senior year of high school. Instead, He lived in Green Bay with his big sister and attended Preble High School, where he was noticed by the football, baseball, and basketball coaches from local St. Norbert College. That proved his ticket for a college education he probably wouldn't have afforded or gotten otherwise. My mom spent most of her childhood at Shudwar's Dock, where her parents, Joe and Mildred Destry, owned and operated the tavern and trailer court there. She spent her days selling tackle and renting fishing boats out to the locals who wanted to get their catch of perch for the day. When she wasn't working, she spent her days with her best friend, Pat, roaming the shore and skipping stones into the bay. Grandpa and Grandma worked very hard, and they earned the respect of the community around them to which they served. They had close family ties and spent time cultivating their relationships. Despite the fact that Grandpa ran a tavern, he would not tolerate unkind words or inappropriate behavior. And despite the fact that Grandpa had to quit school after the eighth grade in order to help work his parents' farm, he was a very smart man, and he ran a successful business. He invested in land when he could and built himself and his family a good life. My grandma spent two months at Mayo Hospital in Rochester, Minnesota, shortly after having my mother. So my mom spent a couple of her first few months of life living at her grandparents' dairy farm while her parents were away. She did spend a lot of her childhood there as well living right next door to the Nemours Church and Schoolhouse, where she would later attend elementary school. My parents got married on a Saturday afternoon, 
the first time the morning wedding tradition was broken in their little community. It was at 1.30 in the afternoon, and everyone was invited, not only to dance, but to dinner. Back in those days, the dances were a public domain for everyone at the wedding and those people not invited as well. But this was not the case for my parents' wedding. My mom's parents were business owners, and they felt everyone in the community deserved a place at the table. When I say that my faith life begins with the generations before me, it's because the overarching theme for both my parents' families was church. You didn't miss it. It didn't matter how much whooping and hollering my dad and his brothers did the night before. They were in the pews with their mom and sisters at 7 a.m. on Sunday morning for worship. Even my grandpa Sax made it to the second mass at 9, despite his known troubles with the bottle. I'm proud to report that my grandparents were so faithful. The fact that Grandma Mildred and Grandpa Joe went to church every day in Lent, that they never missed Sunday church, that we said our prayers before meals and before bed. Those things shaped my life. Simply, it just was. We need not examine it. It was truth and tradition all in one. And God was never a question. He was good. He was present. He loved me and he forgave me. There are some days now that I cling to that. There are painful things, I think, that shape me into my adulthood too. My parents divorced after 27 years of marriage, and that is not something Catholic Christians are allowed to do. My dad wanted an annulment. My mom said their marriage wasn't a sham. The result? First, my dad quit taking communion on account of the fact that he had sinned by getting divorced. And then he quit going to church entirely. I believe that God cried a little bit over that one. I believe that God is kinder to my dad than my dad is to himself. I believe that God will carry my dad into heaven because my dad is afraid to walk in all by himself. And I believe that my dad will die, thinking that he will forever be in purgatory, or worse, in hell. When I pray now, I spend a lot of time praying for other people, because I believe I know where I am going. And since I know where I will end up, I figure that I don't need a whole lot of help. I pray for people who I don't know. I pray for people who don't believe. Sometimes I pray for people who don't deserve. I like it that way. Sometimes I pray for God to show me things. Sometimes I pray for God to help me out. Most of the time, I pray because I am thankful. I like it that way. We all know people who do things certain ways because that's the way it has always been done. Many components to my faith story are traditions and habit. Why does the Catholic faith only allow men to be priests? Because that's the way it's always been done. Why do we say the Lord's Prayer the way we do? Because that's the way we always said it, right back to the New Testament. Why don't good Catholics eat meat on Friday? 
same thing. It's tradition, the way we do things. Most of my life, I did not question why we do things we do in our life, primarily because of the example set before me. And honestly, despite the fact of the human condition, despite our original sin, I do believe that those who lived before me have given me quite a gift by their witness to God, their persistent commitment to make it to Sunday church. I don't know where my Sunday tradition is headed, primarily because of the pandemic, but I do believe that God will always be there, waiting and working in the background. Slow burn, constant pulse. And luckily for me, very kindly and patiently. Thank you for listening to The Stuck Podcast. We want to invite you to engage this material even further through the show notes below. There you'll find a series of questions, prompts, and biblical texts that will invite you to reflect on how God is at work in your life and to think even more deeply on the places where you might, in fact, be stuck. Thanks again for listening.